The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte Office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Tamika Gunn, President and CEO of Community Link NC. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, as a former nonprofit board member myself, I'm a big fan of mission and vision statements. And the mission on the website for Community Link is to enable individuals and families to obtain and sustain safe, decent, and affordable housing. How do you do it? So we do it in two different ways, like we like to call it. So we have our homeless to housing side of the house, where we really focus on individuals and families who are literally homeless or at risk of being homeless. And we have housing caseworkers and housing coordinators that look for properties for them to actually rent. And then we wrap services around them and stay with them at least 12 months for some programs and other programs. We keep them for the duration of their time, which is our permanent support. Housing program. And then also on the other side of the house is our asset building. So we provide education and counseling for first time home buyers. And so we really want to make sure that we are helping people become home buyers. And then also we want them to stay in their homes. So we also have a foreclosure prevention program as well, where we can kind of be that mediator or liaison between the homeowner and the lender so that they can stay in their home. How do people come to you? So there are several different ways. So if someone is literally homeless or at risk of being homeless, then they would need to go through that coordinated entry process. And that's because we receive HUD dollars. And that is a requirement for those HUD funds in order for us to spend. They would have to call and have an assessment completed through the coordinated entry system. And then from there, they could take part in our program. Now, if someone's a first-time home buyer, they can come directly to Community Link or visit us on our website where they could register for our Get the Facts class. And with that also comes some great workshops that we offer to help people around understanding their credit, estate planning, and maximizing their tax return as well. Like most folks, I think, who work in human services, you probably, uh, you're dealing with a lot of folks who are experiencing challenges in life. I'm sure you're very familiar with folks who are experiencing difficulty in life. But Part of what keeps you going is knowing that you're making a difference and seeing the difference that you're making in people's lives. And I wonder if we choose for a moment to focus on the positive, if there are some particularly memorable individuals who you've encountered, who you've seen successfully sort of complete the whole arc from homeless to homeowner. 
Yeah, so we have had some customers that started out in our homeless to housing program. One comes to mind, a mother of two small children who was actually living in the shelter. And so we helped her move out of the shelter, move into her own rental, which it had been years before she had had her own rental with the lease actually in her name. And those are some things that a lot of times people take for granted is having the lease in your name, meaning you're taking ownership of that property. And so from that point on, now we worked with her in our program. When she completed the program, she actually received a certificate. And that certificate was used to participate in our asset building program that I mentioned before to have the fee absolutely waived. So that's a benefit of coming through our program as well is that with that certificate, customers can utilize that to go through the homeownership program and not have to pay the fee and still get the exact same service and support from our asset building team. And so from there, you know, it took a little while to get her ready, which, you know, that's the reality. You know, when you're purchasing a home, it takes your income, it takes your credit score. However, we continue to work with her so that she could make that dream happen for herself. And so that's one story that actually stands out of customers being able to go from one side of the house to the other side of the house. Well, asset building is a really aptly named program because housing is perhaps first and foremost a place to live, but for a lot of folks, for homeowners, it's also an important part of your wealth building and your financial security, right? And And I know that's a big part of the mission. What is it that that people need to know that maybe they they don't know well enough that probably ought to be taught in schools, but maybe isn't yet about becoming a homeowner and remaining a homeowner that you're trying to get across through the asset building program. So one of the things right now, especially, is that it's a journey now. If we look at the lack of inventory that is available for someone who is making under $80,000 a year, the inventory for them is very low. And so what we're really focusing with the groups that are coming into our program now is really, it's a journey. And let's take the time together to really be intentional about working off or paying off what's on your credit score. What do you need to pay off? A lot of times the misconception is, oh, I need to just pay everything off. And, you know, zero out my credit cards. Well, no, we're going to help you do it in a way that's not overwhelming because when you have someone that's looking at their credit score and it's in the 500s, you know, we don't want people to get discouraged. So we're there to work with them and to walk with them through that process of taking their time. But I think one of the lessons that, you know, going back to basics is just understanding the money you have coming in and what you have going out. So really basic budgeting skills. And that's something that we do, not just in our asset building, but also with our homeless to housing customers, because we want to start, you know, helping people understand budgeting and don't be afraid of budgeting. And it's okay to put $20 here for entertainment every now and again, it doesn't have to be so rigid of a budget in order for you to achieve the dream of homeownership. It sounds like personal finance is a big part of it. And then part of it is a, a lot of it's just like sort of understanding how the world works in regard to this stuff, right? Like what is, how, 
what does a credit score even mean? Like what? Because it's not just do I get the loan or don't I? It right. also gets to what's the quality of the loan that I get. And in fact, having better credit makes loans more affordable. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot there. I, you know, I will say I have a child who's in the public school system who's taking personal finance in school oh, wow. next year, which which is something that I've long thought should be taught in school. But I but I used to think that it wasn't. I don't I didn't I went to public school in Charlotte and I wasn't taught personal finance. Right. Do you do you feel as though these things that you're trying to communicate through the asset building project or is it's a it's a kind of information that we could really use a lot more of and it sure would be nice if there were more education about these things. Absolutely. The first step is a class we call Get the Facts. And I love the title of of that because a lot of times there are myths out here. So the purpose is to really dispel the myths around home ownership and who can obtain home ownership. What do you need to have? What does it really look like? Okay, so what are the myths? So of course some of the myths are around you have to have thousands of dollars saved. That is a huge one that was one that I thought before becoming a homeowner. I was like, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to have, you know, $3,000 saved in the bank and I'm only making X amount. So really helping to educate customers around, no, that's not what it needs to be. The other myth is that you have to not have, your, your credit cards have to be zeroed out. Right. That's not true. The The lenders want to see some trade lines. They want to see some activity on those credit cards to make sure that you're you're going to pay it back, you know? So that's definitely, I would have to say, my two top myths that a lot of people are not aware of. I think sometimes people think that if you've got any kind of blemish on your record yes. or any kind of like wrong turns that you ever took in life, Right. That that just means that you're not, you know, eligible. But in reality, like there is a path forward for just about everybody. And sometimes there's a situation where you got to get your foot in the door and, and maybe you don't get like the very best terms on the, you know, when you first start out. Right. But over time, there's opportunities to once you get, you know, some experience and once you establish a track record, there's opportunities to, you know, improve even the terms of a loan that you've already got. Exactly. Or, you know, you've had a, a, a Macy's credit card from the early 2000s and you haven't used it in a while. Oh, well, let me just close it out. No, we help to educate you on, well, you don't want to just close things out all of a sudden. So I really like the fact that we are providing them with the proper education to help them on their journey to homeownership and really to sustain that housing. How did you get into this type of work? So I got into this work after I moved here. So I've been in Charlotte since about 2005. I'm kind of like some of the others coming to Charlotte looking for, for different opportunities. And so I started, I lived in Matthews, and I, I love telling folks this, that's from Charlotte. I lived in Matthews and I worked in Gastonia. So a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you made that commute. I did. I made that commute for two years. And then I was like, you know, I need something here. And I started searching and I saw the post for a housing coordinator with Community Link. And this was in 2007, not long after I got married. And so I saw it and I read it and I was like, I really want to do this. I've always had I always knew that service was where my heart was. So I applied and I started working there July of 2007. And I loved, 
I loved every minute of being a housing coordinator because I was the one that talked to property providers, negotiating rents. And I was the one that saw the look on the mother's face when they first got their keys to their to their rental. And it just, it's a heartwarming position. It was a heartwarming job. And, you know, prior to that, I was an, an educator. So I was a teacher for five and a half years, teaching students with learning disabilities and emotion behavior disorder. So all of that, I've always been in service. And I've always felt that this is where I'm supposed to be. Housing is an interesting thing because the affordability of housing is important to all of us collectively as a society. And on some level, more is better. You know, the, the more housing there is, the more competitive the pricing is going to be for all of that housing. And so more housing is good in some ways. But at the same time, an influx, a, a lot of investment into a particular community can have the effect of changing that community. And That's I wonder cool. what you think about how to balance the need for housing, the importance of affordable housing against, or, or whether it is even against the importance of community and history and preserving the attributes that make a community unique. Right. And, you know, the word affordability is it's, it's broad. What's affordable for me may not be affordable for someone else. And so I think really looking at what does that term mean with regards to the needs that we have right now here in Charlotte? And instead of just saying, oh, affordable, let's really get specific about that. There is a lack of housing for people whose area median income is at is between zero and I would go as far as saying 45% based on their household size. And so I think really being intentional about looking at and breaking down the term affordability for our most vulnerable families in Charlotte, I think is it's really going to be important. You know, like I said, I've been here since 2005 and it looks totally different. Certain areas and certain pockets of Charlotte looks totally different. And, you know, I even ed try to educate my son about gentrification. Even though we're not from Charlotte, I know about the historically predominantly black neighborhoods here in Charlotte that are no more. So I think providing the education to the younger generation and also really being an intentional about what affordability look like for the most vulnerable families in our community? Well, let's just say that you are, you've got a magic wand and <laughs> you're not, yeah, I'm talking, you're not even like the dictator of Charlotte <laughs> who has political power. I mean, you have a magic wand and you can just make things happen. What, what do you think is the solution? I think one of the solutions is transportation. And, you know, Charlotte is growing by leaps and bounds. You know, I, I th talk, think back to when I first moved here and I lived in Matthews and worked in Gastonia. Well, that drive was killer on 85. But if there was some, a public transportation system that allowed me to maybe drive, you know, to maybe five to 10 miles and get on a, a public bus or, and I know we have the express or even the light rail extension or some type of public transportation to get me to my job, then I would have had less stress. I would have been like, oh, you know, maybe I could make this work. But having the, a more robust transportation system, you know, would be very helpful, you know, to get those service sector workers that can't 
and not able to live in Ballantyne, but still work in Ballantyne to get to their jobs, which if they're able to stay employed, they're bringing in income, which means at some point they will be able to increase that income and actually move into their own home. And so I really think the public transportation system is one thing that I would wave my magic wand and make make magically happen. And also to kind of tap into a lot of the investors that are coming in and say, let's pump the brakes on you buying up all of the stock here in Charlotte and making them, you know, neighborhoods full of rentals when we could have had neighborhoods full of homeowners. So that I think those would be the top items that I would wave my my magic wand and and also to to help all nonprofits with general operating expenses. I think that's another huge thing that could kind of help as we as nonprofits are out here working to provide the services to the population if we had more buy-in and more kind of leeway on what we can do with government grants. So I definitely would would wave my wand at the government grant restrictions. So <laughs> as, as nonprofit people, we love mission and vision statements and we love general operating support, right? Yes, we do. So where does Community Links funding come from then? Is it a lot of government grants? Yes, we have a lot of government grants that provide us to do the work in 15 counties in the state of North Carolina for just our homeless to housing sector of the work. And so the more government money you get, the more match you have to provide back to the government for giving you those dollars to do the great work. If a listener of the Charlotte Ledger podcast were so inclined to want to write a check to Community Link, are you able to and willing to accept donations of that kind? Yes, with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> how 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 do I find more information about the opportunities that exist to support Community Link? So all of the information is located on our website, which it's www.communitylinknc.org. And we have specific tabs for people to actually donate and read about our stories as well. We put a lot of stories out there around the customers that we're servicing, looking at the great work that we're doing, not just in our homeless to housing with our VITA program, which is our volunteer income tax assistance. So we're not only looking for donations, those are great, but we have volunteer opportunities for people who want to give back to the community. So, and there's still those, those folks out there that are like, you know, hey, I, I want to give my resources, but I also want to give my time as well. And, and we accept both and we welcome both as well. You started as a housing coordinator with Community Link, and you are presently the president and CEO. And this is a relatively new job for you, right? You stepped into yes, it recently? January of this year. All right. Well, how's it feel? <laughs> You're sitting in a big chair. What's that like? So... It's a learning experience. You know, I've been with Community Link for 15 years, but the majority of my time has really been spent around direct service and really working with the populations that we serve. So this role is really getting me into the business of it all and really learning what makes the wheels turn, you know, making the decisions. Should we apply for this grant or should we not apply for this grant? The networking opportunities have been amazing. Just being able to be in the same room with a lot of other nonprofit leaders, being able to pick their brain 
brains and just being a part of the board and just learning more about all of the intricacies that make a nonprofit go. One of the challenges of every new leader is to balance the impetus toward new things, new directions, new focus areas against the pressing need not to mess up anything that's already going pretty good. You know what I mean? Like yes. you, you, you want to, you sort of want to maintain what's working, but you wouldn't, there would be no point in you if you didn't have some sort of plan for the future and a vision for the things that can be improved upon. And I wonder as you, you're, you're new in this role and you're looking toward the future, what are the things that you want to make sure you you don't mess up? And what are the things where you think you have an opportunity to make a positive difference? So I definitely do not want to mess up any current relationships that have already been built and that have been built over time. And I think those are are definitely important. Longstanding relationships with stakeholders, donors, and, and other agencies alike. Those are things that I want to definitely make sure that I continue to, to kind of keep in line. Some of the the things that I would like to do, you know, as I mentioned before, we provide services in in 15 counties for homeless to housing, but collectively Community Link provides services in over 20 counties in the state. But we really have focused more of our communication, our outreach around what we do essentially just in Charlotte, in Mecklenburg. And so one of the visions that I have is to I want to touch all of the counties in some aspect. I want to be able to to be in a room in Caswell County to say, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm with Community Link and this is what we do. This is what we've done in your county. Let's talk about other things that we could potentially do in your county. I want to be able to go as far as Halifax County where we provide permanent supportive housing and do the same types of things. So really being able to let everyone know about Community Link because not a lot of people do. And so I think more awareness in those counties that we're providing service is definitely something that I'm, I'm, I would love to do during my time. Well, while you're out there in Halifax County and outreaching beyond the boundaries of Charlotte, you do live here in Charlotte. Are you, are you still in Matthews or do you live in Charlotte now? No, no. We, my husband and I moved out of Matthews a long time ago. So we, we do live in Charlotte and we have a 12-year-old that attends CMS. So we do have a school-age child in the school systems here. All right. Yeah. So you're in it. I'm uh, in it. <laughs> and as you're a person who's been in Charlotte a good long while, but not for your whole life. And oh. and in that way, you fit right in, right? You're, you're right there in the solid core of a, a, a city that's filled with transplants, but has an increasingly and ever-growing number of, of natives as well. I wonder what your observations are of Charlotte, whether it relates to housing or not, just as a, as a place to live and raise a family. We love it. You know, my husband and I are both from the north. I'm from Virginia. He's from New Jersey. And so now, so th does he agree that you're from the north? <laughs> <laughs> no, he does not. He, he does not agree. Well, you're north, north of North I'm, Carolina. Right, right? I'm north of North Carolina. So yes, yes. So no, he would not. He would. Uh, he still calls me a country girl, uh, <laughs> which is absolutely fine. But we both agree that this is this is home for us. And this is where we want 
you know, we're, we're raising our son here. And so we, we love the growth. We both have been here since 2005 and we both have seen the growth that Charlotte has had. And, you know, the, the changes that I kind of spoke about earlier around, you know, the investors coming in, change can be good, but you know, at what cost, you know, who's suffering for all of the growth and all of the change that's going on here in Charlotte. I mean, I think it's great. My little small town of Danville, Virginia, it's growing as well. So growth is great for everyone. And, you know, again, we we do feel that this is home. You know, we attend sporting events when we can, even though we're, you know, I'm not a huge sports fan, but we, we still participate where we can and, you know, around the growth and the thriving communities. Well, here you are, president and CEO. What a moment it is for you. Recently honored by the Charlotte Ledger as a 40 over 40, which I don't know how old you are, but I, I know that you're 40 or over, right? And, <laughs> yes. And so I wonder, you know, as, as someone, you, it's a meaningful threshold in life. When the odometer turns over to 40 <laughs> and to 50, it, each time there's a nice round number, it's a moment for reflection about the journey of life. And along with aging, which we're all going through at the same time and at the same speed, you've got this new role that you find yourself in. One which, as a younger woman, would have existed in your imagination, but now it's your reality. And so I wonder, as you reflect upon your own life and your career and the current moment in it, what do you think about where you are? So I just, I'm thankful and I'm blessed. I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I have been able to make this journey. There are so many young women over 40 and under 40 that look like me that do not know what this feels like. It's, it's a great feeling. And I'm proud of me for making the journey and not giving up. You know, there there could have been many times that I've said, you know, I'm just going to stay being a housing coordinator. And but I feel that I would have been doing the community a disservice because of the the talents and and skills and things that I have. I think pushing through and making sure that I show everyone the, the skills and the talents and touch different lives throughout the journey. I think that that has been the most rewarding for me. And, you know, having my mom to be supportive, my husband, my son, having that support system has also been very instrumental in my journey and in this role, helping me to stay centered, stay focused, and just really be thankful Well, Tamika Gunn, I can't thank you enough for being with me today on the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 Over 40 Awards at ledger40over40.com. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. (laughs) 